When I think back to my sort of torturous, gruesome, wrestling hold-like seduction with anthropology at the onset, (laughs) I'm reminded of that which finally sort of won me over, that which finally seduced me to the point of my dedication to this discipline as my graduate work. And what it was, was that anthropology had the space to be able to value not only just epistemological worlds, different kinds of cosmological, theoretical worlds as having import, but also the ways in which so many kinds of ways of knowing and experiencing and collecting and understanding all had import. The fact that this discipline could include things like, you know, cockfights as the premise to the beginning of a whole theoretical vignette, to um, dissertations on the color and the perception of water as somehow breeding ultimately cultural relativism, to looking at literary criticism and fieldwork with Malinowski on his grim diaries, that all of these became important spaces, theoretically, um, to create some kind of, you know, legitimate uh, claim. But beyond the kind of generation of theory from this, what really was important to me was that things like stories were essential. Things like your presence, your body in space, and the presence of another body in space in relationship to you was enough to value and produce something of import. And so for me, being able to extend this to the world of, you know, Latour's door jams and thinking about conceptions of affect and hoarding and all of these types of really beautiful ways of thinking about not only how we make meaning, but how we interact and produce that together is really special. And where that bleeds into um, ways that I really cherish is through the method There's one thing that anthro does have. It's that it it embraces a world of methods that are really, really neat. And so one method that I continue to be um, enchanted by, and I think is something to be so deeply cherished, is the audio recording. As someone who's going into graduate school, you know, in my mid-30s, there's a preciousness to recording that I was raised with where it was under the designation of um, you know something a little elevated something a little special I remember the unbelievable thrill when I bought myself my first sort of vocal recorder and could embark into a world where I could ask people questions I could interview people I loved I could talk to people who are now gone and I can now hear their voices even as they are somewhere else and those became such a, just a sacred site for me that being able to incorporate 
the world of sound beyond even human stories into relationships with audio landscapes, like birds, like bells, like cars driving by right now as I pull over on the side of the road to record this. That we now have this abundance, this power to record the transition of time and space in a way that can become method and data. It just blows my mind. I think it's magical. So through the years, I have recorded my surroundings. I have recorded moments that no longer exist and yet continue to serve as a site for me to revisit and to build upon and to make theory live through. And so what I'd like to do is just share some of those. These are essentially, you know, jottings in a notebook of a different type. These are recordings um, of moments in everyday life. These are recordings of walking through the streets of Paris and hearing, um, you know, a luthier's shop and somebody tuning a violin. These are um, steps of people's feet in pilgrimage in Spain. These are, uh, you know, whole ponds of frog song in midsummer in France. And so I'm just going to uh, share some of these and hope that you can get a taste, hope that you can get um, a sense of being there with me and thinking perhaps about the relationships that we have with our audio worlds together um, in our daily lives. So please enjoy. St. Barb, or St. Barbara, as she is also known, is a very important lady in Le Feuette. Le Feuette is a small Brittany town that is about, I don't know, maybe two hours north of Quimpère, and it hosts an incredible chapel in her name. Not only is St. Barb the patron saintess of auxiliary men and mathematicians, but she also has some kind of association with sort of maritime stuff, maritime qualities, uh, strategies, protection for sailors, and most importantly, in regard to the folklore of Le Feuette, thunderstorms. The tale goes that several hundred years ago, a lord of the area was going for a walk in the just excruciatingly beautiful green of those hills of the area when he was caught in a storm. As the storm began to quicken and become more and more violent, he started to pray to St. Barb to protect him. Instead of just, you know, addressing his prayer with some kind of ersatz general protective uh, method, she instead decided to kind of evoke her own, I don't know, ironic power in that a bolt of lightning came down to the tree in which this man was hiding and 
I think, shattered it or blew it apart in some way. And it created a covering in which he was able to be protected and to be saved. As part of his agreement with this miracle, he erected this gorgeous chapel as a tribute to her. Part of the glory of this space is um, not only just the quietness of it and sort of the separation of it, um, teetering on these incredible gulches and valleys of uh, Brittany, but um, that there are a whole set of different sort of features from different eras of how the space has been built up. One such is there is a bell, a sort of U-pole bell, um, that was erected, I think, in the mid-1700s. And people are welcome to come and tug on the rope to hear the sound and make a prayer. Here's that bell. You know, I just love frog song. I'm literally in my car right now next to a marshland at sunset waiting for the little frogs to come out and get my unparalleled concert. Here's a recording that is from somewhere in Brittany um, of, you know, this sort of mellifluous, haunting bell chime in the distance and the real prima donnas, the frogs singing their incredible amphibious hearts out.
you know, sometimes our best intended plans in field work uh, just become sites of like <laughs> comical remembering. When I uh, was staying in Brittany, it was predicated on wanting to encounter this one very small town that has a sort of um, special folkloric history called Lafayette. And looking on a map at, you know, Airbnbs, I found this wonderful Penty, just a gorgeous space, very affordable, that seemed close enough. Once I arrived, however, I found myself in this exquisite, gorgeous place, uh, many kilometers away from the still very isolated small town that I wanted to work with, in the middle of... Um, sort of rolling countryside without French, without Wi-Fi, without people. So the onset of my field work to go, you know, be with people ended up being quite literal. <laughs> I was kind of working in a field alone. And after a few weeks of this, um, I, you know, I had to work through a lot of, uh, uh, tension surrounding isolation and loneliness and being present, um, settling into this almost deafening quiet. And through time, the environment just became lyrical. So this is a very long recording. I didn't want to, um, you know, cut this down in any way. Um, but this was just a day in the life. I came into the kitchen to make an omelet, and um, I opened up the door and just hit record. And I think this was as much an exercise in trying to capture what it was like to be in this beautiful place that I finally found some rest with, and in some capacity also perhaps trying to hear myself um, as I felt like a specter of research at the time. And this is kind of ironically, perhaps not, um, reiterative. I am on the uh, very hot heels of the COVID moment. And when this is coupled with, I think, some of the really, the genuinely effective um, pressures of graduate school and the isolation that's already inherent in that, I think that we can find a lot of solace in going over our old selves and going over where we have become, where we've come to, um, and in befriending um, our experience as something that also is, is worthwhile and has taken place. Enjoy.
One of the things that just scintillates me to no end are the ways that we see whatever you want to call folklore uh, laminating into similar spaces as other kinds of organized religious activity. And so this is um, the sound of a river that is at the foot. It's down um, sort of this this verdant crevasse from St. Barb. Um, and next to it is a fountain that was well known for young women to go visit, dedicated to St. Barb. And it was visited in order to do any of the general well-wishing, magical, witchy practices associated with trying to conjure your future husband of the 19th century. And so the tale or the ritual goes that you uh, throw in a penny, or better yet, a hairpin, into this little fountain, and um, will shortly thereafter get a message regarding who your partner will be. I sat there for a significant amount of time uh, recording this river, and the little um, um, fountain nearby. I threw in many of my hairpins. And I think later that afternoon, I saw a giant seagull. So I figure I'm going to have to get accustomed to interspecies marriage. Enjoy.
And then lastly, this is just kind of um, a, a jubilant sound. This was not officially in uh, Brittany. This was in Normandy at the Cathedral of uh, Saint-Thérèse. But I just can't help but share this with, with the world. This is in their underground cathedral, the Du Petit Cathedral, where um, I think most of the baptismal and the joyous singing occurs. And so I think it was at you know 3.17 p.m. or some very strange hour while I was solemnly walking through the church, I heard this sound and had to run downstairs to be part of it. So I hope that you can enjoy this just effervescence in Normandy.